So when we achieve an SEO win, that needs to translate to the sales team. And they need to understand what that means and how to bring that to our customers. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka. Now, if you're hearing this, it means you're not currently on our subscriber feed. To subscribe, go to getlatka.com. When you subscribe, you won't hear ads like this one. You'll get the full interviews. Right now, you're only hearing partial interviews. And you'll get interviews three weeks earlier from founders, thinkers, and people I find interesting. Like Eric Wan, 18 months before he took Zoom public. We got to grow faster. Minimum is 100% over the past several years. Or bootstrap founders like Vivek of Question Pro. When I started the company, it was not cool to raise. Or Looker CEO Frank Bean before Google acquired his company for $2.6 billion. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. There, you'll find a private RSS feed that you can add to your favorite podcast listening tool, along with other subscriber-only content. Now look, I never want money to be the reason you can't listen to episodes. On the checkout page, you'll see an option to request free access. I grant 100% of those requests, no questions asked. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Kevin Indig. He leads SEO as director at Shopify and is the creator of the Growth Memo newsletter. Previously, he ran SEO at G2 and Atlassian and worked with companies like eBay, Eventbrite, Samsung, Pinterest, and many others. Kevin, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So been in this game for a bit over 10 years now. Uh, besides being director of SEO at Shopify, I um, also mentor startups at the German Accelerator. Um, which is the official startup program of the German government. Um, and uh, yeah, you already mentioned kind of my, my, my side project or side hustle, if you will, uh, the, the growth memo and my, my own podcast. And where can people find the growth memo stuff? Simplest way is just to Google it. Uh, but you can also just go to my site, kevin-indic.com, and then just sign up there. It's free. There's no charge. Uh, you get a weekly email. So let's talk about this for a second. This trend is very hot. You see Substacks, you see ConvertKit with a product that meets with Substack. I think you're using ConvertKit for your growth memo. Um, how many people do you have subscribed to it today and are you monetizing it? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a bit over 4,000 people right now. Um, and uh, I did actually use Substack when I first started out um, and then I migrated away uh, to ConvertKit. When I say at this point, I'm not a, you know, I, I actually want Substack to be successful. I think they're a great company and they're necessary in the space. It just didn't really satisfy my needs because I wanted more customization and uh, a bit more uh, a hand on things. I currently monetize it very little. Um, it's more, mainly through sponsorships. Um, there was, there's a brand that, um, has uh, uh, closed a larger deal with me for uh, six months to be the exclusive sponsor. So they sponsor, they have, they have a sponsorship on every episode. Um, but then generally it's more like a, like a bidding model where people can bid on a space. However, uh, I would say that, you know, I don't directly monetize. It's even a better tool for my, for, for just my career building an, an audience and a following. Um, and then for a while, I also tried a paid membership, which was very successful. But when I joined Shopify, uh, I had to to put that to rest. Oh, interesting. How much was that doing per month before you killed it? A bit over a thousand dollars. Okay, so that was decent. But I never. It's, it's it's interesting because I didn't invest like a crazy amount in promoting that. It, it almost all came organically. Uh, so I'm sure I could have squeezed a bit more out of that. But then when you have a day job on the side, <laughs> it's only so much time you can invest in these things. 
Yeah, no, I understand. Okay, so growth memo, uh, that's a side project. Let's pick up at G2. I know you did SEO at Atlassian as well, but let's pick up at G2. So what year did you join G2? Join G2 um, in very early 2019 as vice president of SEO and content. So my goal was basically to grow the marketplace. It's a for, for, for those who don't know G2, um, it's a software, specifically B2B software marketplace. You can find anything from a Salesforce to a buffer, any any kind of software needs, uh, including reviews, comparisons, alternatives, and all that uh all that good stuff. And my job was to grow the marketplace, right? Bring buyers to the marketplace predominantly through SEO. Uh, and I led a couple of teams that were heavily invested in technical SEO and content. What does technical SEO mean? Technical SEO is basically the technical optimization of a website for a search engine, which spans everything from optimizing the code base to making the site faster, but also making it easier for search engines to find and understand all the relevant content on a website, which is which sounds pretty um, simple and straightforward, at least for humans. But when it comes to machines, they need a lot more help. They need a lot more um, you know, uh, assistance, and that's where technical SEO comes in. For any sort of review site, and there's a lot of competitors here, defending your position on a certain keyword, but more specifically a keyword combination like company name plus the word alternatives or company name plus the word pricing, uh, I imagine can be very difficult. You guys have done this very well on some certain, you know, keywords in the review space. Help me understand some like super creative, like wild things you guys did, uh, that helped you really defend that position. You know, ranking for it is one thing, but defending it over time is different. Yeah, that's a good point. It's probably one of the most competitive spaces um, on the internet uh, after the the finance and insurance and credit card space. Um, and so you have to, as you, as you mentioned, you cannot just bring the basics to uh, the table. That Those are mere table stakes, actually. So a couple of the most creative things that we did is to leverage our size in, in an SEO context. What that means is um, G2 is the marketplace with the most software reviews. And so we surfaced the number of vendors that we have in a certain software category and the number of reviews before people even come to the site, for example, in our result in Google search. So we would say, for example, instead of, hey, find the, bo- the best um, Salesforce reviews uh, on our site, we would say, hey, find over X thousand reviews for Salesforce. And that is interesting in a couple of ways. First of all, you can automate that stuff. Um, and second of all, it it creates basically a certain expectation in the searcher's mind. So when they see that, they understand, oh, okay, I can find that many reviews, must be very reputable, or must be, I, I probably get the depth of insight that I'm looking for. And that attracted a lot of clicks, and that was rewarded by, by Google uh, with uh, higher positions in uh, in search engines. And so we did we did a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, which I would, I would, you know, uh, I would say it was pretty cutting edge. There's not a consensus when I look up something like email tool reviews amongst you, you know, G2, Captera, and all the other sort of review sites in terms of which schemas to be using in the metadata. Uh, when I do that for you guys, there are some, it looks like, that the tests that are being run where you're actually using the FAQ schema and putting the little drop down so people can review and get answers without actually clicking into the G2 site. Is that good or bad for you? You don't get the search traffic. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends. You know, it's 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 very counterintuitive. Uh, at the very beginning, when Google wrote FAQ schema out, um, there was a lot of controversy around this, and and some sites reported lower click rates. We, on the other hand, re- we we noticed the opposite, and it's interesting 
because it seems that FAQ, or at least the questions that people see in the search snippet or under the search snippet, are more like an appetizer and stimulate people to, to, to learn more. And so the hypothesis here is that people, first of all, get a taste of the quality and depth of the content based on the questions. Second of all, because software is a very research-intensive field, it, it stimulates people to click through instead of just reading the short little snippet and then not clicking through. So I think it also depends a little bit on what, what niche or vertical you play in. Uh, but for us, it certainly worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. What are some, uh, besides putting the number of reviews for a certain uh, taxonomy in the metadata when people searched, what other sort of creative things do you test over, I guess, your one or two years there? Yeah, you know, there's a lot on the site itself that you can do that's that that's not surfaced in the search snippet. So we first of all, we spend a lot of time on on uh, SEO hygiene, um, which is basically a list or catalog of things that you do you need to do to kind of not waste Google's resources in a nutshell. And that in itself can take you know a lot of time and resources because it's a very quick, uh, huge site and growing very quickly. But then we also experimented a lot with the quality of content that people can find on the site. And that is not just an SEO topic. It's, it's, a, it's a topic for the business, for UX, for design, for, for all these kind of things. So we've got pretty in-depth in understanding where people actually find value, where they don't, and then did some research to add more value to the site. And that can be content in the form of just graphs to make certain concepts easier to grasp, or it can be just more, more extractions from reviews, uh, it can be all sorts of things. And that varied a little bit from different or from page type to page type. So you mentioned that we have alternative pages, comparisons, categories, the review pages. And each of those pages has a different um, expectation to fulfill in the user's mind. So we invested a lot of time into understanding what users are trying to find and then trying to top their expectations. And not only that, but also then leading them to the next step without them having to go back to Google and search for something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And what did you, how did you structure the teams internally at G2 so you could move fast on these ideas? Was it like an engineer plus a designer plus you, a strategy thinker? Or like, how are this, how is this structured internally? Yeah, that's such a good question because I honestly learned a ton about structuring teams, restructuring teams, and setting people up for success at G2. And so, in a nutshell, we were set under marketing. And we had a product organization with the engineers. So one of the main challenges that we that we tackled, faced, and solved is to work very closely with the engineering organization. And we did that by just setting the same goal, right? We just said, hey, these are two teams that live in different organizations, but they have the same goal. They're they're kind of um, evaluated or assessed by achieving the same milestones. Which and is so what it was mainly organic traffic, number of clicks. So yeah, to keep it simple, yeah. right? There, there were yeah. other numbers that we looked at as well, but you want to keep it relatively simple so that people know what they're working on and they have a north star right it's it's such a cheesy cliche but just like teams you know i, I recently read this super cool um uh, uh way to to express what uh, distinguishes a team from a group and so when when people step in the same elevator they're a group but when the elevator gets stuck they form a team and so by setting that north star or that kind of goal you bring people together. And it's a, it's a very simple but elegant solution. And so technical SEO and the product engineering team worked very closely together. But my job as, as VP was also to just align all the stakeholders. And that's another cheesy word that actually has, uh, is actually super important, right? So you want to make sure that when you go after something, when you identify the tactic that works, and by the way, we're in tons of experiments, 
that you then get buy-in from all the different teams, right? There's also mm-hmm. design that's involved. There's uh, customer success, sales, all, all these different teams that need to understand what's going on and they need to get buy-in and they need to align. Because at the end of the day, um, G2 sells to companies. So when we achieve an SEO win, that needs to translate to the sales team. And they need to understand what that means and how to bring that to our customers. So um, yeah, that's how we were set up internally. Again, I had a technical SEO team. I had a content marketing team whose job it was to create a ton. That was it was like over 20 people um, whose job it was to... Um, create content that addresses the buyers very early on in the journey. So the marketplace on G2 basically addresses questions when people already have a rough idea of what they want. But very often people don't know exactly what they want. And this is where content marketing is a very powerful tool. So on G2, you will find that there is a subdomain called learn.g2.com, which is a content hub where we help people understand what tools they actually need or what problems they face. And you you might know this this kind of um, situation where you, you face a problem or you want to hit some goal, but th- something is stuck and you don't know what to call it or what the name actually is. That's where content marketing comes in to kind of shorten the time from where you identify a problem to when you pick a solution. And mm-hmm. that's that's basically a long-winded answer to, to say how we're Some follow-up questions on these individual things. When you look at an SEO hygiene list, what tools were you using to then so that you could like spit out that list and then go tackle it? Yeah, you know, on the very basic level, there's a there's a tool from Google itself, which is free and called Google Search Console, where Google re- will report problems that they find on your site. These problems sometimes are very easy to solve, but sometimes they're also very complex, especially when Google reports that they find the content on your site uh, of very low quality. And that is a that's a fuzzy, broad concept, right? So there's some follow-up work where you have to understand what they actually mean and how to improve that. But there are also other tools which help you understand how Google understands your site. Um, one of the most effective is um, what what we call a, a log file analyzer. And there, there, there are certain, there, there's a list of brands out there that provide log file analysis. Um, and that's a very in-depth technical um, exercise or tool where you really look at who's the best uh, at that. If someone wants to go hire them, who would they go hire? Yeah, man. Uh, let, let me just a couple here. Uh, so Uncrawl is a great solution. Uh, Uncrawl. Botif- Uncrawl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Botify is a really good one. Deep Crawl is a great one. Um, and then I, 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 Screaming Frog is a fantastic one. Uh, and I probably forget one or two here. So, uh, but these are all fantastic solutions. Um, and the, the basic idea is you, you plug them into your systems or you connect them with your servers and they will tell you exactly, oh, Google looked at this site um, uh, at this time and this is what they did after that. Uh, and when you aggregate all that data and you summarize it, you know, you, you, you aggregate it over a couple of thousands or maybe millions of pages, you get a pretty accurate picture where Google gets stuck and where you can optimize your site from a technical standpoint of view so that Google visits your site a lot and uh, looks at, at your content in a nutshell. Talk to me a little bit. There's a lot of psychology happening on these review sites. When you can convince people to put a G2 top rank badge on their page, on their footer even, and get a backlink, that obviously really helps. How did the psychology of those badges influence SEO strategy, if at all? It does uh, to a great degree. And you know, my, one of my goals was always to make G2 something like a Michelin star, where when people see the badge on a software vendor's site, they would see, oh, okay, they're rated well on G2. That means they must be of high quality. That was that was kind of the, the meta goal or the North Star. And so 
it's funny because, you know, from an SEO would say, oh, cool, we get a backlink from that site. That's so valuable. And sure, that's true. But it's even more valuable as a trust signal in getting the brand out there. You know, mm-hmm. backlinks still important in SEO, but the overall perception and visibility of the brand is much more important, right? So we think that Google even looks at unlinked mentions on other sites, meaning you don't even need a backlink. But when when Forbes or New York Times or these big publishers write a lot and mention your name a lot, that could be a signal that Google might be able to pick up. We don't know for sure, but that's where the 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 badge of G2 goes way beyond just the actual backlink, right? It's a way also for um, the vendors who have that badge to to first of all show value, right, and show trustworthiness very quickly, um, but then also bring them back to the review site and have the visitors leave a review. So it's, it's sort of a flywheel that doesn't just benefit G2, but also benefits the, the vendors. And I can eat my own dog food because now I'm at Shopify and we're a G2 customer as well. So let talk to me about Shopify. Why did you leave G2? It sounds like it was sort of a rocket ship. How did the whole Shopify transition happen? Yeah, you know, it's... It's, it's tough because I, I really love G2 and I love the company and I, I, I learned so much there. Um, and, uh, it, I, I, you know, the, the, the straight up answer and, uh, the, the honest answer is that I, uh, I got, uh, poached by Shopify. I got put in touch with Luke Lebec, who's, uh, my boss now and the VP of growth at Shopify. Um, and, um, he's a fantastic guy. He, he grew TripAdvisor and then, uh, grew Google and then Facebook and now he's at Shopify. Uh, and so he hired a full, all-star team, amazing people at Shopify. Um, but um, I was also very impressed by the idea of scaling a $100 billion company instead of a $100 million company. Again, that G2 is a fantastic company and I can you know strongly recommend you to, to, to work with them or apply at the company. I, I learned a ton. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, you know, um, I, uh, I found that she, that Shopify is closer to my, my mission, which I have on my website um, and is basically to help successful and, and a, um, you know, a technology with a positive impact to become successful and, and get greater reach. Um, and I, I think that's much closer at Shopify. Um, or my, that's much, Shopify is much closer to my mission than uh, G2 actually is. So that's why I eventually made that decision. Besides, what was your first move at Shopify in terms of creative recommendations for growing SEO value? Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a couple of SEO teams at, at Shopify and it is a, it is a, terrible cognitive bias to come into a company and look at it from the outside and say, oh, why are you not doing all these kind of things that are so obvious? There's there's usually a very, very good reason. Uh, and so I tried to come to Shopify with a with a kind of uh, you know uh, kind of an empty mind or an optim- open mind better said and like really learn about the business and there's a ton to learn and understand why certain things are the way they are. On the other hand, you know, you, you can't just rest like you cannot just rest for six months and just like say you're, you're learning. So you have to, you have to be active in some ways. And so I look for a couple of quick wins and just, you know, um, ends that I can tie together to help people out, connect people, because as a director, there's a certain visibility that you have that other people on your team might not have. Um, on the other hand, you, you need to Wait, get so, Kevin, a lo- so what are, what are some of those loose ends that you close very quickly to show value fast? Yeah, sure. So, uh, connecting certain people in certain teams, um, that's, that's one of a, that's, that's a, two, a, a huge value that you can provide as an executive that, uh, some people in a team cannot because you just know where certain projects are. So I, I, I saw, for example, that there are a couple of things that the say that, that different teams are working on that would have a heavy overlap. So by just bringing those teams together and make them talk to each other, it's a, it's a quick win, uh, where you can help them out. However, I also brought some of the things that I learned from G2 
to the Shopify team, right? So we're very, very heavy on test, measure, learn at Shopify. Um, and I had done, had done some of that work at G2 previously. Um, so I felt very confident in bringing that over to Shopify. And it, Kevin, it can you some name some actual SEO tactics you implemented where when people hear it, they go, I should go try that? Yeah, I think, I think we already talked about a couple of those. Uh, I think well, I do different, different ones. I'm looking for more ideas. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's very dependent on the actual space you're in or the site that you work in. But if you work with, uh, you know, a site similar to uh, G2 or Shopify, um, there's, there's a lot you can do. For example, the content pruning space where you look at what content performs well, what doesn't perform well, and then either consolidate the content that doesn't perform well. Um, or, or give it an update or a refresh. Sounds like a very simple tactic, uh, works surprisingly well on, uh, both sides. Um, and then there's, there's a, a ton of assessments that you, you have to do on these sites, right? You cannot, you cannot simply go in and say, okay, this is good. This is bad. Uh, you have to, you have to get the, the data, uh, you name a couple get, of those assessments. Uh, like you need to understand what pages drive conversions. Uh, you need to understand where the money comes from. Uh, you need to understand where the impactful projects are, right? Um, that's another thing that, that I, uh, did and do at Shopify is I take a close look at where I'm investing our time wisely and where, where should we maybe push things a, a bit further back? And that comes back to understanding where the money is made and where we get most of the traffic and where the opportunities are. So, uh, Shopify is, is a very, very large site, has many sites across many different countries. That means it's it's very easy to lose focus. It's very, I tell you that it is very easy to lose focus when you have a ton of opportunities. So uh, that is certainly something you want to ex- uh, assess. Uh, what tooling do you need? Are you uh, efficiently staffed? Right, these are all things. And so uh, it's a, it's a mix of finding low hanging fruit and of um, bringing some some of the knowledge that you had uh, earlier to the company. And so another thing that I would recommend heavily to look at is just simply like how strong is your brand. That is another factor that's very important in SEO. And so uh, typically when you start in a core market like the US, people will know you there after a while. But when it comes to other markets, say like China, India, Japan, or even South America, Europe, um, you need to understand how how strong is your brand there. And that has SEO implications. Google does give strong brands a bonus in the search. Well, how? Quantify that. I mean, Kevin, everything you just said is very like fluffy. Like no one knows. Someone's going to say my brand is weak or not weak. Like where can we go quantify that? Yeah, for example, with backlinks or search volume. Search volume is a super uh, super simple one. So you can just simply look at how many people in different markets look for your brand. You can even compare that on something like Google Trends. You can go to Google Keyword Planner. You can use a third-party tool like uh, Moz, SEMrush, Ahrefs, and just simply compare the number of monthly searches for your brand name across different countries. And that will give you a relatively accurate picture. Very good. Love that. Okay, where can people learn more from you? Yeah, so uh, I already mentioned my my side, my newsletter. So kevin-indic.com on Twitter. You can find me on kevin underscore indic.com. Uh, sorry, scratch.com. It's just kevin, uh, under, kevin underscore indic. Uh, and then just just uh, Google my name for everything else. I have links to my to my podcast on my side as well. Guys, Kevin Indic, G2, Shopify, building something special, everything SEO. Kevin, thanks for taking us to the top. Appreciate it.